Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to the Sira Podcast. This is episode 20. This is the Sira Podcast exclusively on Islamic History Extra, and it is for Patreon subscribers to the Islamic History Podcast. And I'm your host, Mutaki Ismail. I'm also the host of the Islamic History Podcast. Brief introduction, though I'm pretty sure most of you already know me. So today we are continuing discussing the Battle of Uhud. In this chapter, we are mostly going to talk about the aftermath of the Battle of Uhud, some special events that came or that happened during the Battle of Uhud, and finally uh, a few events from the remainder of the third year of the Hijrah or the third year of the Prophet's migration to Medina. So let's go ahead and begin with that. As you remember from the last episode, the Battle of Uhud was somewhat of a loss for the Muslims. It wasn't a complete loss. They weren't devastated. Medina remained safe. Most of the Muslims survived it, but they suffered a lot of casualties and also some casualties to some high-ranking or prominent members of the Prophet's companions or the Prophet's inner inner circle. Presumably, specifically the uh, death or rather the assassination of Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, who was the prophet's father, uh, prophet's uncle. So right now we're going to talk about just the difference in perceptions between the two groups, between the Muslims and the pagan Quraysh. For the Quraysh, it was a victory for them, but it wasn't a resounding victory. They didn't crush the Muslims as they had hoped to. They didn't destroy Medina. Their position in Mecca was still precarious. Only thing that they could say is that they had managed to bloody the Muslims' nose, so to speak. They had managed to exact revenge for their losses at Badr. They had regained some of their honor for the loss at the Battle of Badr. But they did not really get what they wanted, which was to destroy the Muslim threat completely, to wipe out Medina, to stamp out Prophet Muhammad wasallam's message. They did not get to do any of that. So Abu Sufyan, the leader of the Quraysh, he knew that he didn't really get everything he wanted. He knew that he didn't really have the guns specifically. He didn't really have the means to really crush Medina. He had come with uh, an overwhelming force, or at least uh, definitely they had much more men than the Muslims had, three times more men. But they didn't really have the manpower to defeat the Muslims in their home and then go through Medina and conquer and stamp out and, and raise Medina to the ground, which is probably what they wanted. Uh, the, quite frankly, the Quraysh just weren't that big. They weren't that strong. Their tribe wasn't that powerful. And so he kind of realized this. And so Abu Sufyan, at that point in time, realized that he would have to come up with something much bigger and much grander. He would have to pull in allies and and friends and different tribes from all over the Arabian Peninsula. He would have to put together a huge, massive effort if he wanted to make sure the Muslims were taken care of for good. And so that's when he began making his plan for what would eventually eventually become the Battle of the of the Trench, or the Battle of of Al Khandaq. 
The Muslims, on the other hand, while the pagans, they were somewhat elated and happy that they had come away with some some sort of victory where they were so close to losing, but they managed to uh, to salvage their pride and their honor and managed to get some sort of revenge for Badr. The Muslims, on the, on the other hand, they were feeling kind of low. They, even though they had protected Medina, even though they were winning in the beginning, they had lost a lot of people. They had lost a lot of soldiers, a lot of the of the high-ranking companions from both the Ansars and quite a few of the Muhajirun as well. And so for the Muslims, it was it was pretty tough. Their morale was low after after the the defeat at Badr. If and then once again, it's only a, really a minor defeat. It wasn't an overwhelming defeat by any means, but. They had always, at least for the Battle of Badr, they had felt that Allah's support was with them, that, Allah, that Allah's help was with them. And with this loss at Uhud, they began to think that maybe they had lost it. Maybe they had uh, lost Allah's favor. And they knew that they had messed up by uh, focusing more on the spoils of the battle or the uh, trying to gain some some tribute or some some uh, profit from the battle. And it wasn't all of them. Obviously, it was just those few archers who who left the um, who left their post on the hill that kind of um, ruined everything for the Muslim army. But still, they they kind of felt that they had fell out of favor with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and they kind of saw that this was was going to. They kind of felt very bad about this, so their morale was pretty low. Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he also realized that he was going to have to make some changes. He knew that Abu Sufyan and the Quraysh wanted to destroy Medina. They wanted to wipe the Muslims out for good. And he knew that though the Quraysh had failed this time to do that, they would be back again. And so Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he began to understand that he was going to have to make more alliances. He had to make more allies of his own. And as we'll see in the coming episodes, he began to reach out to other tribes and either convince them to become Muslim or at the very least, if they didn't become Muslim, at least ally with them, at least come to some sort of agreement with them somehow or another. So that was the prophet's uh, change in thinking as he was going on uh, in this period of time after the, after the Battle of Ahud. So now we're going to discuss some notable stories from the Battle of Ahud. Most of these stories are about companions, but not all of them are. But they're just all fairly interesting stories that uh, just come to mind uh, from the Battle of Ahud. The first one is about two companions from among the Ansar. Their names were Hussein ibn Jabir and Thabit ibn Waqsh. They had been ordered by the Prophet to watch over the women and children of Medina. But while they were in Medina and the fighting was going on outside, they began to grow restless and they began to think, you know, we want to take part in the fight. We, we're going to die one day. We want to die fighting for Allah. And so they talked each other into this, basically. And they kind of disobeyed the Prophet by leaving their post. But... I guess you could say they're doing it for a good reason. They ran out into the fray. So they left their duties of protecting the women and children and ran out into the ba onto the battlefield. But they did this without letting anybody know what they were doing, without letting the prophet or any of the other companions who were participating know what they were doing. And it kind of turned into a disaster for them. Uh, the first one, uh, Thabit ibn Waqsh, he ran out into the battlefield and the 
Cardage, they surrounded him and quickly cut him down. He didn't even really get to do much, much at all. And Hossein, the other guy who was pretty much the brains behind the whole the whole scheme, he was he was mistaken by the Muslims for an, an enemy. The Muslim archers thought he was an enemy because once again he just came running out onto the field, into the battlefield out of nowhere, not telling anybody. And the Muslim archers saw him and they just shot him full of arrows and killed him. And so these two uh, Ansars, these two Muslims with good intentions, wound up really not really doing much. And I won't say wasted their life. Allah knows best what their intention was, but didn't really gain much from what they wanted to do, uh, much of, from what they wanted to do. So when the Prophet ﷺ found out what happened for the uh, second one who was shot with arrows, his name was Hosel, the Prophet gave his son Hudhaifa, uh some blood money because for his death. And Hudhaifa, he went ahead and took that money that, that the Prophet gave him and in turn gave it in charity to the other Muslims. And the Prophet uh, looked at him very favorably after that and, and uh, held him in, in a high esteem after that. So now we go to another story. This one is about not, this one is about Hatib ibn Umayyah. Hatib was also an Ansart, or uh, he was from Medina, I should say. He was an old man when the Prophet ﷺ came, and so he had spent most of his life in, uh, as a pagan, and he had only become Muslim once again once the Prophet came to Medina. His son, however, was a young man named Yazid ibn Hatib, and Yazid was killed while fighting at Uhud. So when, after his, well, his son was severely injured, but he was pretty much close to dying. And so they brought um, Hatib's son Yazid before him, and he was, the young man was dying and bleeding out. And the people around him were saying, uh, were trying to encourage the man and help lift him up and saying things like, rejoice, your son is going to paradise, he's going to be in the favor of Allah, the angels will take care of him. But the old man was having none of it. And he showed his hypocrisy that he, that he didn't really believe. And he just threw their congratulations back at them. He was saying, Things like, rejoice at what? What kind of garden he's going to? You have fooled this young man. Basically, saying you've tricked this young man and into losing his life, and you caused me grief. And with that, he pretty much displayed his lack of belief with those words. The next interesting story is about a man named Kuzman. Kuzman was in Medina. He was among the Muslims. Nobody knew exactly where he was from or how he came to be in Medina. He wasn't from the Muhajirun. He wasn't from either the Aus or the Khazraj. He wasn't from one of the Jewish tribes. He was just in Medina. And he had been there for a while before the Battle of Uhud. But for whatever reason, the Prophet didn't really take to him. And whenever the Prophet, anyone mentioned uh, Kuzman's name to the Prophet, the Prophet would say that this man was destined for hell. He's a, he's a future denizen of hell, something along those lines. And nobody really knew why. Then the Battle of Ahud came and Kuzman, he's out there fighting bravely, just chopping people down left and right, chopping the enemy, the pagans down left and right. He winds up killing about nine different pagan Quraysh during this uh during the battle but through the course of the fighting he winds up getting injured and he has to be carried off the field and so while he's um on the sidelines basically bleeding out himself 
uh, the people can probably perhaps see that he's probably going to die soon also. And they start saying kind of the same things that they had told Hatib. They start saying, rejoice, you, you fought bravely, you'll be in the favor of Allah, you're going to the garden. And Kuzman, he says, rejoice at what? I was only fighting for the honor of my people. Otherwise, I would have never gone out there in the first place. And so he kind of lost his blessings with that. And then to make matters even worse, as the pain began to grow in him, from the pain from his wounds began to grow and get worse and worse, he took an arrow and in some hadiths is that he stuck it through his through his chest and killed him, and others is that he slit his wrists. But whatever the case may be, he committed suicide, which of course uh, leads someone straight to hell. And so when the Prophet heard that, the Prophet said, I bear witness that I am the messenger of Allah. The Prophet was saying that, well, this should prove who I am, that I'm the messenger of Allah. So we now go on to another story. These are all just quick little stories. I only have a few of them. Next is Mukhaidik, who was a Jewish man. Mukhaidik, um, he was from uh, not one of the three major Jewish tribes, but from a smaller clan that was kind of allied with them, but still living within Medina. As we mentioned in the previous episodes, the Jewish tribes of Medina had made a pact with the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that all groups would help participate in the protection and defense of the city of Medina. And so Mukhaidik, this Jewish man, when he learned that the Quraysh were coming, he encouraged his people to take up arms and go help the Prophet and go help the Muslims uh, defend Medina. But the, his people were like, nah, it's Saturday, it's the Sabbath, and we don't fight on the Sabbath. And Mukhaidik was like, there's no Sabbath today. It was Saturday, by the way, but he said, there's no Sabbath. We got to put this stuff aside because our lives and our home is in danger and we made a promise. We have to keep it. But his people pretty much just ignored him and wouldn't go out to fight. So Mukhaidik, he took his sword and he gave instructions that if he died while fighting to give his property away to Prophet Muhammad wasallam. And he went out and joined the Muslims in the Battle of Uhud and he wound up being killed. And when the Prophet wasallam heard about this, he praised Mukhaidik and said that he was the best of the Jews. Then we go on to the story of Hamna bent Josh. And we spoke about Hamna in the episode regarding the ifk, the slander against Aisha, radiallahu anha. Hamna bent Josh, as we spoke about the story once again in that same episode regarding Aisha. Hamna bent Josh, she learned that her brother Abdullah and her uncle Hamza, who was the prophet's uncle as well, they were both killed during the Battle of Uhud. When Hamna bent Josh learned that they had been killed, each time, first they told her her brother had been killed. She said, may Allah have mercy on him. They told her her uncle had been killed. She once again said, may Allah have mercy on him. But then she was told that her husband, whose name was Umar ibn Musab, was killed. She creamed and, and, and she, she cried and screamed in anguish. And when the prophet heard about this, he mentioned how the husband holds a special place in the woman's heart. And then we get to one of the final stories of this um, of the Battle of Uhud. This was a story of Abu Azza. Abu Azza, he was a pagan Quraysh who had fought against the Muslims at the Battle of Badr a year earlier. During the Battle of Badr, he was captured and and brought to Medina. However, he was very poor. His family did not have the money to ransom him. To ransom him, and so. 
he pleaded and begged with the prophet to let him go and allow him to return. And he used the the excuse that he had five young daughters at home to take care of. And if he was killed, there would be no one to take care of them. And so the prophet showed leniency and and uh, gave instructions to free Abu Azza and without any ransom, without any ransom. All he had to do was promise that he would never take up arms against the Muslims again. And Abu Azza promised he would never do that. And he went back to Mecca free and clear. Then comes the Battle of Uhud and the Quraysh are gearing up their arms, getting ready to march on Medina. And the leaders of the Quraysh, they go to Abu Azza and they begin to to uh, talk him into and encourage him into joining them for this battle. And Abu Azza, he remembers his promise and he doesn't want to break his promise. First of all, he's probably scared he's going to get captured. And secondly, uh, the Arabs of this time, and perhaps of all time also, but definitely they had a thing about honor. They make a promise. They intended to keep it. And so Abu Azza, he, he resisted for a while, but then the people kept kept encouraging him. They kept entreating him. They kept uh, talking to him. And they finally won him over and they promised that if he survived the battle. They would give him a whole bunch of money and make him rich. Remember, the man was already kind of poor. And that if he happened to be killed, that they would take care of his daughters. And so Abu Azza, I guess he figures he can't lose either way. He goes out and he joins the uh, Quraysh at the Battle of Ahud. And lo and behold, he is captured once again. And this time he's brought before the Prophet wasallam, and once again he tries to use his daughters as an excuse. And the Prophet says something along the lines of, a believer is not bitten from the same hole twice, and gave instructions for Abu Azza to be executed. So those are some of the more popular stories from the Battle of Ahud, some very interesting ones I thought you'd be interested in. Now, just some final things regarding the Battle of Ahud. Now, as you mentioned already, the Battle of Ahud took place on a Saturday. The very next day, uh, the Prophet realized that the Muslim morale was low. He was also concerned the Quraysh might take the wrong message back home, that the Muslims were weakened and that they're, and they may actually decide to turn back around and maybe come back and attack Medina again. And he wanted to, to basically bring up the Muslims' morale and, and boost their confidence, and at the same time, discourage the Quraysh from coming back to Medina. And so he gathered up his forces, and he, he wanted to pursue, pursue the Quraysh all the way back to Mecca as far as he could, but uh, that probably wasn't going to be possible. But he wanted to just make a show of force and to prove that the Muslims were not weakened and that they, not, they were not discouraged. And so... He, he sent out a call for all of the people who had partaken in the battle the previous day to grab up their arms and their armor and come again. They're going to pursue the, they're going to pursue the Quraysh all the way back. And so men who, were, who had been injured, who had lost limbs and who were still bleeding and bloody, and even those who were not, they strapped their armor back on and they went up in line. And the prophet made sure to say only those who had participated in the battle the day before. So those uh, hypocrites who had turned around at the last moment, they were not, uh, they were not permitted to take part in this, in this uh, final expedition. And so the prophet left uh, with this army, the same army he had before, and he left um, 
the blind man Ibn Um Maktoum in charge of Medina, and he went out in search of them. And he traveled for about eight miles, uh, going uh, chasing after the Quraysh. Finally, they they uh, camped at a location called Hamra al Asad, uh, and they stayed there for about three days. And you'll find out why. Now, Hamra al Asad. This expedition is called the expedition of Hamra al Asad, based on the name of the location where the Prophet and his men uh, camped at. So the Muslims were camping there, and the Prophet actually ordered his men to light their fires, light their campfires at night, and make them big and everything as a show of defiance, to show that they weren't scared of the Quraysh, to let the light shine bright in the night sky. So if the Quraysh want to come to us, let them come. And so it shows you how, how bold the Prophet was. Now, the Quraysh, for their part, they were kind of mixed. They had, they were kind of mixed about it. I told you Abu Sufyan, he was already kind of, you know, he was kind of worried about uh the fact that they hadn't crushed Medina, but at the same time, they didn't really have the muscle to do that. Some of the soldiers, some of the men among the Quraysh, they wanted to come back to Medina and finish the job. They they knew that their that the Muslim threat was not over with. They wanted to come back to Medina and and give them some more. Now Abu Sufyan, he was kind of considering what they were saying because they were talking about him. They were, they were talking to him and trying to encourage him to come back to Medina. While he was thinking about this, a pagan man from Medina named Ma'abad al-Husayi approached him. Now, Ma'abad, he was a pagan, as we mentioned. He was a safe from Medina. He was actually from the Khaza'a tribe, which is not in Medina, but it was an, a tribe that was allied with the Muslims of Medina. It was an ally, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Many people from the, Khaza'a tribe, from the Khaza'a tribe had converted to Islam, but not everyone. Khaza'a was one of those who had not yet converted. However, his tribe was allied with the Prophet, and so his allegiance um, lay with the Prophet. So, so Ma'abad, when he saw the uh, prophet and his men staying at the um, at 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 their encampment, he noticed that he knows he wanted to do something to help them, and so he ran off ahead and went to go with, meet with Abu Sufyan and the Quraysh. Now, even though um, Ma'abad was pagan. He was allied with the Muslims, uh, but him being, uh, being him being pagan allowed him to get close to Abu Sufyan because they saw each other as in part of the same religion, part of the same faith. And so Abu Sufyan trusted him. So Ma'abad, he hears the rumblings among the Quraysh that they want to head back to Medina and do some more fighting. Now he knows the Muslims are back there, but he also knows the condition the Muslims are in. And so he convinces Abu Sufyan, talks to Abu Sufyan, and he convinces him don't come back to Medina. The prophet, and, and Ma'abad kind of lies here. He says, kind of lies, but, well, let's say stretches the truth. Maybe that's what Ma'abad did. So Ma'abad, he tells Abu Sufyan that the Muslims are angry. Muhammad is angry. They gathered up a larger force. They got all those guys who, who wouldn't come, who turned back the day before and joined. They're angry. They're pursuing you. They want to fight you, and they're not that far. They're right there at, at Hamad al-Assad, and they're waiting for you, and they're coming to get you. So he does this try and frighten Abu Sufyan to keep on keep on heading to Mecca. So when Abu Sufyan hears this, he reconsiders the whole thing. He said he decides that maybe it is a, a good idea to go on back to Mecca. You know, we got what we wanted. We got our revenge. Let's not uh, let's not pursue this any further. Let's not uh, turn this good thing into a bad thing. And so Abu Sufyan, he decides at that point in time that he's going to continue on to Mecca. However, he sent a messenger back to the Muslims at Hamad al-Assad, and he sent 
basically what we may call fake news today, but he sent fake information back to the prophet stating that the Quraysh were on their way and they wanted to fight. So when the prophet heard this, when the message, message got back to Prophet Muhammad, وسلم, he heard this, he said, well, Allah is sufficient for us. And he deliberately, that's why they were out there for three days, he deliberately stayed out there for three days daring and waiting for the Quraysh to come back. The prophet was bold. Man. <laughs> he was like, come on. He just stayed there like, if they want to come back, we're going to be right here. And the prophet stayed there for three days. They left on Sunday. They didn't go back to Medina till Wednesday. And they were there. But of course, the, the Meccans, they had gone on. The Quraysh had gone on back to Mecca and never actually came back. And so those are all of the major events after the Battle of Ahud. Uh, for the rest of this year, the third year of the Hijrah, the only other major thing that happened was that um, the Prophet's grandson, Hassan ibn Ali, the son of Ali and Fatima, anhum, Hassan was born in this year during the month of Ramadan. And just about two months after that, Fatima, Fatima got pregnant, pregnant again, this time with what would ultimately be her second son, Hussein ibn Ali. And so that will conclude the third year of the Hijrah, as well as the 20th episode of Islamic History Exclusive, or the 20th episode of, of the Sirah podcast. So until next time, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.